Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Agility Bed. And for President's Day, they're sweetening their usual deal of $150 off any hybrid mattress by throwing in a pair of therapeutic True Cool memory foam pillows on top of the discount. Just enter the code PRESIDENT at agilitybed.com now through February 23rd. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing the surprising results of our week with no TV, what we learned, what was hard, and the side effects we didn't see coming. Plus, we tried a new paint picking method to see if we could solve a wall color conundrum at the beach house. One out of the two people sitting here behind this microphone would like to paint the beach house living room pink. And it's not me. Yes, I, John, the one who is usually the most resistant to change, is trying to push through a change at the beach house. But we haven't really come to agreement yet on if we should do it and if we do it, what color we should do. Because I, Sherry Petersick, am completely fine with the very light, sandy, gray color on the walls. There's a gray trim around the room that's a deeper tone that I think adds a lot of interest. It's very layered. It's unusual to me to see the color on the trim and not the wall. So when you say, I want to put light pink on the wall with gray trim and there's a brick chimney in there, I'm just kind of like, whoa, it looks good right now. Why are we going to mess with a good thing? Well, when we had the house painted as part of the renovation, our deal with the painter was just to put one color throughout the house, which was that sandy gray color. I think it's White Heron by Sherman Williams. Is that right? Yes. And it's on every single wall in the entire house. There's the gray trim downstairs with it and there's crispy white trim upstairs with it. But we sort of went into that understanding that down the road, we might make the decision to repaint some of the rooms a different color. Like maybe we try something different in one of the bedrooms or the bathroom or the pantry. Who knows? Yeah, I always thought the pantry would end up pink. But I love the pantry just as it is. Well, we have pretty much grown to love having one color throughout the house because it makes the house feel fairly cohesive. You know, it's not a big house. But lately, I've had this nagging feeling that it might be nice to add some color to the walls of the living room. And here's my thought process. It's not out of nowhere. We put a gray kind of sandy toned rug in there. We recently replaced the couch, you know, had been our Carl sectional from Ikea that was like a dark navy color. I mean, I always think that is charcoal and John always describes it as navy. I think our eyes are different. It had some blue to it. I mean, your special eyes. I should yield to your special eyes. Seriously. And that's why you should listen to me on this paint color decision as well. I mean, you got to sell me on it. Like I am open to it. You just have to bring me to your side. Well, and then when we replace that couch with one of our sofas from our furniture line, the Mellow Sofa, which is a gray. I felt like there's a lot of kind of neutral gray tones in there. So maybe adding some color to the walls like pink, because there's a lot of pink in the house. And that's kind of a theme of the pink beach house would be a nice like contrast. So I realized it was on me, like you said, to come up with a pink that we both liked. I'm just thinking like a really subtle light pink. Like this is not the outside of the house, like a vibrant coral or hot pink or something. And you know, I'm like, oh, but it's got to work with the chimney and the trim. So I'm just kind of like, you can convince me. And if you find a color that's great with all that, I'm all in. But like, that's kind of a hard task. And I made it harder on myself because rather than just like breaking out a swatch book in which we would have, you know, hundreds of options, I decided to try out one of those new trendy online paint companies. Remember a few episodes back, we talked about Claire Paint. They were trying to be like the Warby Parker of paint where like you could order your paint online. They had a curated color collection. You got these like decals where you could test the colors and stuff. And I saw a coupon come across on Twitter for three free color sample decals. 
And so as a person who likes free, I decided this would be my chance to discover the perfect pink for our living room to convince Sherry. So I went on and ordered basically the only three light pinks that they had in their limited palette. And they send you these pre-painted vinyl decals that are removable so you can put them on different walls and check them during different times of day. And I really, really liked the process of that. Like receiving these decals was so easy, especially because it was free. Well, wait, this big envelope came and I was like, John. Oh yeah, I didn't tell Sherry. (laughs) And he was like, they were free on Twitter. I was like, okay, I just love how you spring this on me. Like I'm going to try Claire Paint because my argument was kind of like, I don't know that that service would work for us. We're very specific about wanting something to be super grayed out. Like it can never be a pure color. I like to add a lot of muddiness to a color. I think that looks really sophisticated. I also love a very light color. Like most of the colors we pick are the very end of the swatch card. And if you were a company curating only about a hundred colors in your whole collection, I'd imagine there would be a lot of mediums and dark tones. So I thought it was like needle in a haystack type thing to do. What Sherry's getting at is that it didn't work. (laughs) The three options that we bought did not fit in the room for various reasons. Like they didn't go with the chimney. They were a little too dark. They weren't grayed out enough. I still think they were good colors in a vacuum. And if you were having trouble pinpointing a good pink, it probably could solve your problem, but did not solve the problem for us. Right. We like to just be more hands-on and customize a color ourselves and slide lighter on the swatch and slide grayer in the deck. And it just didn't give us that sort of customization. Right. But I did like, again, the process of ordering like that and using those decals because we had used some paint sample decals before, sort of some DIY versions when we were picking the shutter colors for the duplex. Like they were some basically blank decals that we bought from the home improvement store. We had to buy the paint samples ourselves, paint the decals, wait for them to dry. Like it was a much more expensive and time consuming process than just ordering these pre-painted decals online. Right. But I was not deterred by this fail with the Claire paints because I learned after that there was a new trendy online paint company on the scene called Backdrop. But Backdrop did not do us any better. Yeah, Backdrop gave us more pink choices. They had more pinks. I think we got five. I think I got four because I had to pay for these. I think they were two bucks each. So I spent like $8 ordering most of their pink options. There might have been one or two I didn't order that were more in like the purple realm that I knew wouldn't work. And so we brought them to the beach house, love the decal process, but again, the paint colors themselves didn't really work out. Right. One was like too peachy, like fleshy, like skin tone. One was too purpley. One was too dark. The other one was way too dark. And none of them looked great with the chimney. So where I am with John is I'm like, stop paying for these swatches. I'm just waiting for the next new company come along. (laughs) I mean, I'm beginning to think he just likes trying this and doesn't even want to paint the wall pink because he's uninterested in the traditional route, which is like bring a deck, pick a color, get a little test can, put it on the wall. Like if you guys are listening at home and you're like, how do I pick a color? Go to the store, get a bunch of swatch cards, hold them up, pick a few favorites, get little test pots. They're a few dollars. Bring them home, paint the test pots on the wall in a bunch of different places under different lighting. You will be able to make a choice that way. A confident choice. I agree with all that, but I do think these services, if you were choosing an easier color than pink, because I think pink is a hard color to get right, and also neither of the services have a lot of options for pink. But if you were going for like a blue or a gray, there's lots and lots of things to choose from. And I think generally those colors are more agreeable to a variety of surroundings. You know, we had a lot of these factors like the chimney that was limiting what pinks would work in that room. I agree. And we also like very, very, very light and subtle colors. And I think the average person could order five different grays, pick one that they liked, and they'd be done. So we're not 
poo-pooing the service so much as just saying our method is more exact. And if you want more control. That sounds like poo-pooing. Well, I would say if you want more control and you want more customization, that's not the way to go, right? Because you get like four options out of a million. And I'm just glad we gave them a try because I was curious. I mean, that was part of my motivation. I'm not giving up on the pink color in the living room because I think we still should go back to our typical process. So we will keep you guys posted on this quest. And quest for the perfect pink that may or may not exist. Right, exactly. John's quest. And meanwhile, I have a quest of my own. And you all know about this quest because it's been going on since I was 34. I'm now about to turn 37. That's right. In the summer fall of 2016, I started Invisalign. I'll remind you that we're well into 2019, and I am still in Invisalign. Yours is the quest for a perfect mouth. Not even perfect. Just like teeth that when I chew, I don't chew my cheek. Because what I've had... All along is a crossbite, an overbite, and these like turned and indented parts in my mouth. So I went to the orthodontist expecting to get retainers. You probably remember the story. And he was like, um, no, you need braces. And I, being very vain, was like, I cannot do adult braces. I just can't. My mom had adult braces. I made fun of her too much to go and get them myself. This is totally karma coming back. (laughs) And so I said, what about this Invisalign thing? And one orthodontist said, I cannot fix it with Invisalign. You will need braces. So I went to the best orthodontist orthodontist I knew and had heard about. He wins like orthodontist of the year every year. And he said, I will do it with Invisalign. It is a very complicated case. It will take at least a year, probably over a year. And my first set of trays was something like maybe 38 and the average person had like 13. I think we should pause to note the fact that there was someone, a soothsayer, early in this process who said, I cannot fix this with Invisalign. You were warned. I was warned. So this amazing orthodontist with all the awards and all the, you know, confidence in the world who was like, it's a difficult case. It'll take a while. But if you don't want braces, Invisalign is removable so that in photos or at speaking engagements, you don't have to look like you have a big orthodontic thing going on in your mouth. So I endured a few years. You've heard the updates. And I was supposed to be ending early this year. So like, I think the last update was probably eight or nine months ago when I said, guys, it's going to be 2019 when I'm done. I can't believe it. It's probably going to be January of the new year, but I'm so excited because eventually I will be out of teeth jail. I probably made a joke that I might never be out of teeth jail. And it another was, soothsayer in this story. <laughs> it really was. It was a moment I should have listened to for myself because when I went in, I most recently in late January got sentenced to seven more months. <laughs> Invisalign. It will be the end of 2019 if I'm lucky. Now I know not to celebrate a victory until I'm there. But this update is not just to tell people there is more tooth jail for you. You keep getting like two questions all the time when this comes up on Instagram. Right. Number one is like, is this just a joke at this point and they're trying to get your money? My response to that is it's a fixed rate and I paid for it a long time ago. Like they're losing money on my mouth. They have to keep correcting it and fixing it because my orthodontist truly is the best and he wants a great result. And so he keeps going and spending his own time and his own resources to complete my mouth and make sure I have a good lined up bite so I'm not chewing my cheek anymore and it's all on him and his amazing staff to figure it out. Yeah, you've already committed the funds to get the result and so however long it takes to get that result does not cost us more. But the second question I get all the time is kind of a follow-up to what I just said, which is you're clearly going to a quack. You have to go to a better orthodontist or a better dentist. You should go see my friend Dr. 
X who's in Richmond. Everyone who has said that to me, Dr. X is my doctor. I am going to the best orthodontist. He is what everyone recommends. And he was very honest and upfront with me about having a complicated case and saying braces would be faster and cheaper. And I, the vain one, was like, no, don't glue boxes to my teeth. Little did I know, guys, Invisalign is a lot of boxes glued to your teeth. They're just clear and the trays snap onto them. I also did not know Invisalign had elastics. It has a series of them with names like Stingray and Turtle. I'm just waiting for you to get headgear. I know, really. It's getting better. When you see my teeth on Instagram, a lot of people say they're perfect. How could you have more months to go? It's the crossbite. So I'm still chewing and biting my cheek. I draw blood. It's not wonderful. I don't want it for the rest of my life. And since I've already paid off Ultimately, I want to get a good result. Like, it's paid for. I want the good teeth I paid for. So, the journey continues. And if you're wondering, Sherry would not recommend Invisalign for a case like hers. Right. When people ask me, would you recommend this? Or like, should I do this? I in bold, right? Goodness, no get braces. Because I wish current Sherry, who's in three years of Invisalign, with maybe an end in sight, but maybe not, because I don't trust that anymore, would have shaken old Sherry and said, just do braces. They are cheaper and faster. They are much more exact. I am not convinced that the Invisalign process is amazing. Even my orthodontist says that. Like, it's less exact. You have to wait a while for the trays to come in. So there are many weeks that you're just sitting with your teeth frozen, but they're not moving because they have to order them and it takes four weeks. So there have probably been five or six months of that entire three years that I have just been freezing my teeth and waiting for new trays. So it is just not as efficient as wires on your teeth that they can control and move hence it taking longer. So if you have a complicated mouth, I think braces is the way to go. And I wish I had done that. I'd be finished and I would not still be talking to you about Invisalign. Yes. And thus ends Sherry Peterson's orthodontic hour. Thank you guys for the therapy. I really needed to talk this through. I think we need to move on to something a little bit more fun. So this game was actually suggested by Kelly on Twitter, and I can't believe I didn't think to do it first because I love this thing she suggested. I actually follow it myself, but never thought it could become a quiz. Okay. You know I love geography. Uh Uh-oh. Guys, I went to Montessori school as a kid, and I'm not great at geography. Yeah, it's not I like to blame Montessori when really it is my own shortcoming. (laughs) Geography is not one of Sherry's interests like it is mine. So this really hits the mark for me, and we'll see how Sherry does. I think he'll be better than you think. Okay. So Sherwin-Williams, the paint company, I follow them on Instagram, and occasionally they post these things called State Your Colors where they come up with a three-color color scheme for each state of the United States. So both the color tones themselves are indicative of something of the state, but also the color names reference things the state is known for as well. You know what I'm thinking right now? I'm like, Sherry, just say states. Don't say cities. It will be very embarrassing. <laughs> I did think about that for you as well, because some of them <laughs> might sound like a city. But anyways, I'm going to give you the three colors for several of the states, and you have to tell me what state I'm talking about. Okay. Sherwin-Williams has not done every state yet. Sadly, Virginia's not in the bunch. There's only about 30 of them so far. So Virginia's not one. New Jersey's not one either. I'm sorry. Oh, dang. Yeah, our home states. But uh, as an example, this is just an example one, so everyone knows what we're talking about. Massachusetts. Their colors are Plymouth Green. Uh Uh-oh. Like Plymouth Rock. I get it, but I didn't know Plymouth Rock was in Massachusetts necessarily. (laughs) I might have guessed it right. Good thing it was an example. But the other colors, (laughs) Colonial Yellow and Nantucket Dune, you might have gotten. I would have said Pennsylvania, I think. Okay. Don't those sound Pennsylvania We're in for it, guys. Oh, gosh. Here's your first one. Uh Uh-huh. The three colors are Mountain Stream, Empire Gold, and Wall Street. 
I mean, New York. Yes. I should have been like, New York, something, something, where dreams are made. I was like, is this Alicia Keys you're singing? Yeah. Next, Surf Green, Sierra Redwood. Okay, this is California. Yeah, and Golden Gate. Yes. Some of these will be harder. I'm snapping for myself because John's giving me the easy ones. Okay, like this one. <laughs> Uh-oh. East Lake Gold, Saguaro, <gasps> like the cactus. See, I would think that was California. And we... Windswept Canyon. Oh, this is Arizona. Yes. Yes. I tried to put the clues in order of hardest to easiest. So if you don't get it by the first paint color, hopefully you'll get it by the third. Oh, gotcha. Like this next one, Likeable Sand, Constant Coral, mm-hmm. and Palm Leaf. My final answer is Florida. Oh, really? I thought it was Miami. Coral? A little bit north. Think of palm leaf. What state is known for palm Oh, North Carolina. No. Oh. <laughs> nope. Don't they have that on the flag? No. It's South Carolina. Yes. It's South Carolina. <laughs> I knew it was a Carolina The guys. Palmetto State, everyone. Oh, dang. Come on, but palms are all over Miami and... Yes, I know. This next one's a hard one as well, but think, think before you speak. Okay. <laughs> I'm not very good at okay. that. Impulsive purple... Tarnished Trumpet, and Easy Green. This is where I put the Jeopardy music in. I know, I'm really thinking for a while. Wait, just give me a second. Also think of the color scheme. I am. Of purple, green, and the Tarnished Trumpet is kind of <gasps> golden yellow. It's um, 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 Louisiana. Yes. Bam, bam. I should have gotten it from the purple, you guys. Okay. Gulf Stream, mm-hmm. Armadillo, mm. and Cowboy Boots. I mean, I feel like it's Texas. It is Texas. Okay. <laughs> Some of them I noticed are doubled up. Like Oklahoma's also has cowboy boots in it as well. Oh. I didn't give you Oklahoma. Thank you. Okay. Uh, this first one, I have no idea what the first reference is, so someone has to tell me later. Knitting needles? Raindrop? I think this is the Midwest somewhere. They knit a lot. Apologies, Midwest for <laughs> stereotype. No, I have like my best friend's family is from Iowa and they all like crochet sure, and Sure, try to dig out of that hole. It's a Midwest thing. Um, knitting needles, raindrop. And double latte. I think that is Seattle. Which is a city. Crap. Portland? No. Nope. That's also a city. Oregon. <laughs> That's a state, but not- Washington. Yeah. <laughs> you might be judging me at home, but if you were under the pressure of the microphone, you might say dumb things too. Maybe. Maybe you'd get these all right. Okay. I only have a couple more for you. I feel like if I thought that through, I could have gotten that in two guesses instead of four. <laughs> right. You got there eventually. Okay. Eco green. Surfing. And tangerine. I mean, I would have said California for that, too. Um, Tangerine is the most helpful hint here. Tangerine. Florida. Yes. Yes! I thought I already said that, but I forgot. It was wrong when you said it before. It was wrong. Okay. Okay, last. Cavern clay. Mm -hmm. Also color of the year. I remember hot dog. Do you guys remember anyone who follows me on Insta stories? I call that color hot dog. Uh, Charcoal blue. Uh Uh-huh. And Derbyshire. Ooh. Someone who has a derby. Kentucky. Yes. Yes. I thought that might throw you for a curveball, but you got it with the derby there. I had to take the Shire off. Yes, but I will, in the show notes, link to their roundup of all of the state your colors colors. So if you want to check to see if they have your state on the list, you can see. I was trying to find Virginia colors, like as a suggestion, like do their work for them so they finished it. Hmm. Chesapeake is a color. What they, about? Um, they've already used colonial yellow, but that would have worked for Virginia also. Hmm. I'm trying to think of just one. I live here. Just one. Dogwood white. Is that a real color? No. Made it up. <laughs> so first Sherwin-Williams, <laughs> add that to your palette and then make it one of Virginia's colors. Okay? And I bet every single state has dogwoods as their state tree. I feel like it's like 15 states have dogwoods, so it wouldn't really be that Just helpful. like cardinals. Our state bird is cardinals and like I think I have four or five of them have cardinals. Yes. Anyways, check out this link in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. 
And with that out of the way, we want to tell you about our week of living TV free. I think you're going to want to listen because the results really shocked me most of all. But if you don't want to listen, <laughs> I'm not the boss of you. Yeah, maybe go watch some TV. Put something good on Bravo on, just like for the background. On our behalf, since we haven't been watching it, I guess. Pour one out for Bravo. Me and Bravo, we had a long, long, deep relationship. It's not over, but let me recap this whole thing, because if you missed our discussion a couple weeks ago, Sherry and I decided to go TV-free for a week because it's something I had been considering us trying maybe for a month. Sherry only wanted a week. I was like, what? Excuse me? What did my ears just hear? Did you say a week? Because I think you were saying a month, but I know you don't think I'm going to go a month without TV. Well, I thought it would be nice to try to reset our habit of basically going to the couch every night after the kids went to bed and watching an hour or two of television together. Right. It was like how we decompressed mindlessly. We did it every night that we were at home. If we had a date night or we're going out with friends or having a game night here, hosting something here, we obviously wouldn't do it. But like a regular night at home, we were decompressing in front of the TV. Yeah, most nights. And so I wanted to reset that. And then the idea of doing the challenge was kind of solidified when we talked to Joshua Becker about minimalism. And he said that taking a break from television is a great way to support your decluttering and minimizing efforts because if you desire less things, like you see fewer commercials of things, you might own less and then you'll have to do less decluttering. Hearing him say that sort of cemented in my brain, we should give this a try. So Sherry and I did our week off did you think it was harder or easier than you expected? I thought that this was going to be harder than running a marathon, and it was shockingly easy. So easy, we actually did it longer than a week, I should point out. Right, we only were supposed to do it for seven days, and in the beginning, I was like, how am I going to even cope? And now we're on like day 11, and I'm like, this is not hard. I thought we were going to like plan all these things, like right. let's make sure like we have some games set out for us to do, or like some good snacks, like something to really keep our brains off of television. But the first night was like, well, do you want to go read in bed instead? And we're like, sure. So we did that. And it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. And you might remember we mentioned at the beach house, we hardly watch any TV at all because we go in the hot tub and we do all this other stuff. And I was joking that I needed a hot tub here. I truly believe that. Like, I thought I had to replace TV with some other big activity. And what I learned from this experiment was like, you just fill it with things you had been meaning to do or wish you had time to do. Like, this is for a person who wishes there were more hours in the day or more time in the day. Yeah. I think most nights it's like the kids would go to bed and then Instead of us both retreating back to the couch almost on autopilot and turning on the TV, we were forced to sort of say, like, what are we going to do with this time? How are we going to use it? What sounds fun tonight? I think it wasn't all fun. Like we used some of that time to be a bit more productive, like get something ready for the next day or clean up the kitchen or something we wouldn't have done otherwise because we just like parked our butts on the couch. Right. But the thing I noticed is that instead of having like one block of time, which it used to be, it was like TV time and it would be like one to two hours at night that we were sitting on the couch and either looking down at our screens of our phones or looking up at the TV. And instead, when you take that block of time, it ends up getting broken up into a lot of smaller blocks that are more flexible. Like we we might clean up the kitchen and chat for 20 minutes, but we still have two hours. Let's go read. And we might read and then John would turn to me and tell me something funny about his book and then we might start talking and we'd chat for a while. Like things were broken up a lot more instead of just this one stagnant block. Like it felt like much more time, if that makes yeah. sense, because we had multiple activities going on. Like we could do one thing and then do another thing and then do a third thing and then go to bed. Right. And I will say it wasn't all easy. Like there were a couple hard moments. I think the hardest part for me was we both got sick at one point during the week, like just like a cold thing. 
But, you know, when you're feeling like very drained and all you want to do is just sort of relax and do something mindless, like turn on the TV and like fall asleep to it or something. I had that strong urge a couple times while we weren't feeling well, but I just had to push through it a little bit and it was fine. Like one time I said, okay, instead of sitting down and watching TV, I'm actually going to go take a nap because that will be more helpful than watching TV. Like I might actually feel better after the nap. Yeah, I think there were little fleeting moments. One of mine that I really wanted the TV just out of pure habit, like I've pavloved myself that when I go on the treadmill, I like to watch TV. I like mindless TV, like housewives. And I wanted to do the treadmill, but I literally said to myself, am I even going to like it without TV? And then I just put on a podcast and it was completely fine. Well, I think some people questioned why we were doing it. Like if you enjoy TV, if it brings you joy, why would you deprive yourself of it? And I think a response to that is just that we're not cutting ourselves off forever and ever. It was just an experiment to sort of disrupt our expectations of our day and disrupt some of our habits. Like I do miss it a little bit. Like there are nights I would like to come back and just do something pretty mindless. But I think it did tell me about myself that I'm not addicted to it. Like I don't have the FOMO I expected of not watching the shows I know other people are watching. Right. I learned two things. So one was that there are a lot of cliff notes of TV in the world right now. Like if you have social media, you can check it and be like, oh, Cardi won a Grammy. Like you don't have to watch someone win a Grammy anymore. You just know what happened. They'll even share the two minute clip of the most interesting thing that happens at the Grammys. So it's like the cliff notes version is already curated for you by social media. And the other thing I noticed was... I expected to want to come back to TV and maybe have one or two nights of no TV in the week. And I thought, that's a really big compromise for us. Doing this now, I realize I don't need that many TV nights. It's just sucking your time from other stuff. Because if I had heard this a few weeks ago, I would have just said, dude, I like TV. Lay off. Let me be happy. Like, let me live. But I think where I am is like, I was a person who was also saying, I wish I had more time to have a long phone date with my friend. I wish I had time to read magazines anymore. Now I just flip through them instead of actually reading the words. I wish I had time to sit down with my husband and turn on the fire and like actually talk to him for an hour about something deep. These are all things there is time for if it's not filled up with some mindless activity at night like TV. Well, and I feel like some of these sound like kind of dumb ahas, especially people listening who don't watch that much TV. But I think we probably were a bit more dependent and more in the habit than most people were about it. That's why it was significant for us. It was helpful for us to realize that we can moderate our watching (laughs) and that the television that we watch is less valuable and important to us than we thought it was. And there were also some really interesting side effects that we could actually track quantifiably to see the change that going TV-free made. Right? Okay, now I'm going to quiz you guys. Do you think our screen time went up because we didn't have TV? Like, would we fill that time with our phones? That's what I expected would happen, that we would look at our phones more because we weren't looking at the TV. Now we will reveal, over this experiment, what happened to our screen time. John, what changed in your screen time? I feel like this is a big lead up to what we have already insinuated, is that our screen time actually went down. By how much? Mine went down only 6%, but it was still down. I expected it to go up. And how much did mine go down by? 100%. No, Stop it. Now that makes mine sound less of an achievement. 24%. That is a quarter of my phone use completely lopped off with this experiment. And I realized it's because I had tied TV time with phone time. Like if I was watching a show, I'd mindlessly check Instagram. I would have told you I love Instagram. Instagram is fun for me. I'm not trying to lower my screen time. Just like I would have told you I'm not trying to lower my TV time. I love TV. But the interesting thing is that instead of filling that time with our phones, which I assumed we would default to doing, we 
just decided to be all in on a different thing. Like we were all in on reading or we were all in on talking or we were all in on going out with our friends. Yeah, we did a lot of like double screening where we'd be watching a television show, but also scrolling through our phones. So I think by turning off one screen, the television, we ended up turning off the other screen, the phone as well. So that's why it went down, even though we both thought it might go up or stay the same. Uh, The other thing that was interesting we could track was our sleep. We could both tell because of going upstairs earlier and reading that we were maybe falling asleep earlier, but I could actually see on my sleep tracking app that I was going to bed on average about 30 minutes earlier than I had before. So my usual bedtime had been like around 11.30, 11.45, and now it was closer to 10.45 or 11. Same, obviously. (laughs) This might seem obvious to everyone else, but I wasn't thinking this way, but I think TV creates these bigger blocks of times that we can't break away from it. Like we're either committing to another half hour if we're binging something, we're like one more episode, or even another hour, you know, maybe 45 minutes if we fast forward the commercials. So there's these huge blocks that are kind of non-negotiable, like you can pause it, but you don't usually unless you're falling asleep. So by not watching TV, bedtime became super flexible. It wasn't within these like 30 to 45 minute to an hour constraints. It was whenever we were tired. (laughs) Yes, it's much easier to put a bookmark in your book and say, I'm tired. Let me respond to this feeling of tiredness and go to bed versus, okay, I can pull through another half hour to get to the end of the show. Right. Well, even if I was like on the phone with someone catching up, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to run. I'm getting tired. I got to go to bed. Meanwhile, TV, I'm like, must finish the episode. So TV is not mad at me. Right. (laughs) A weird side effect I noticed was that I ate less dessert. (laughs) I don't have a quantifiable thing like I lost weight or something. You don't need to lose weight. I wasn't tracking that. But I had the habit of having dessert, sometimes two desserts, on the couch while we were watching TV. And because we were not on the couch and instead we were up in bed and we're just not in the habit of having food in our bedroom, which is an interesting habit to change that I wasn't planning to change, but was a side effect of all this. Yeah, I think it was only good for us. Like there were not any drawbacks that I could see. And I'm like trying to make this conversation interesting by presenting drawbacks and I cannot come up with them. Well, and I think we didn't mention in the other episode that we were not doing TV free for our children for the week because they already have limits on their TV. So we were just making the cold turkey between Sherry and I. But we did find it did have some repercussions, good repercussions to the family as well, because we had been in this habit also of sometimes after dinner, if there was like 15 minutes or half hour to kill before bedtime, like sitting down and watching a family show together, which is fun because, you know, it is family time to be together and to snuggle on the couch and all that stuff. So I'm not saying that's bad, but we didn't want to do that during this week because it would have broken our streak of no television. It kind of felt like cheating. So the options were like just letting them watch their own thing and us kind of like dismissing ourselves and like cleaning the kitchen or doing something else during that time. Or do we bird box it? Sherry and I put on... (laughs) put on blindfolds so that we can't watch it. No, I mean, I do like bird boxing added to anything because I just think it's funny. But maybe we can just suggest playing a game and if they say no, we'd rather watch TV, we let them. And the funny thing is every time we brought up do you want to play a game, they would rather have done that than watch TV. And especially as we started playing more games, we even during this week went to Barnes & Noble with a gift card and bought another family game for us to play together. So we were playing even more games and it came to the point where after dinner they'd say, ooh, we want to play that fish game. Ooh, we want to play that dice game. So they 
even preferred it, which is really interesting. It's like we converted that TV time to family game time, which I'm sure some study probably says is better than watching TV together. Right. I mean, I loved Ellen's game of games with the kids or like a really fun song by OK Go. These are things we've dug on the podcast for viewing with your children because it's fun and adults like it and kids like it. But I think just the realization that they would rather play these games with us and get on the floor and they get really into it. And even this morning before breakfast, our son was like, I want to play Happy Salmon, which is like this really cute kids card game. I'm linking it in the show notes because it's so fun and so easy. Like a four-year-old and an eight-year-old can happily play it with two adults. And I just think we learned that their default isn't TV either. Like all of us could be doing something fun together. Yes, it was easier to break their habit and their inclination to watch television than we thought. Like we thought it would be hard for all of us to find something different to do. But I think we're all finding that it's easier and in most cases we enjoy doing it. So I think moving forward to sort of conclude this segment is that we're not going to be completely TV free. Like I'm not about to sell the television or whatever. But I think like you said, we're going to have fewer nights during the week that we do it. Like maybe three or four nights a week we'll do it. I was thinking too. Oh, wow. I just love it. I just feel like I discovered a a hack in the system and I have a longer day and not a longer, harder day. Like I'm not using the time to work. I'm using the time to do all the things I didn't think I had time in my life to do. Like, didn't you say, okay, listen to this. John read two books this week. He said to me in a conversation about this, the last time I read two books was spring break. And I had this realization, like, isn't it amazing that the amount of reading you can do in spring break, which feels like luxurious beach reading, like who has time for that all the time? Vacation. Right. But it fits into your actual life. You can have vacation beach reading in your actual life if you cut out this other thing. Well, and I'm actually going to dig one of the books that I read during our TV free week. But first, we got to take a quick break. Okay, so we have two exciting things to tell you about this week's sponsor, which is Agility Bed. First, for President's Day, they're giving a special offer where you get their usual $150 off any hybrid mattress. But also, if you enter the code PRESIDENT, they're going to throw in a free pair of memory foam pillows on top of that discount. Yeah, so that's the first exciting thing. The other one is that we recently bought our own Agility mattress to sleep on at the beach house. And yes, bought as in we paid our own money. The short version of the story is that we kind of went too cheap when we bought the beach house mattresses. And so we started adding various foam toppers and pads to make them more comfortable and the one we chose for the master bedroom was extra thick and it ended up being incredibly hot. Even sleeping there in the winter we'd wake up with like a sweaty back or something. I'll let that visual sink in guys. We were gorgeous in the morning. Yeah it was gross but we've known one of the benefits of Agility's mattress is that they arrange their layers of specialty foams and microcoils to provide a cooler sleep surface with better airflow. So last month we decided to buy one for the master at the beach house and we're basically kicking ourselves for not doing it sooner. It is so much better. So if you want to give Agility Mattress a try, they give everyone an 100-night risk-free trial. And if you use code PRESIDENT, you'll save $150 off any mattress, plus you'll get two free therapeutic True Cool memory foam pillows. Just check out by February 23rd at agilitybed.com. Actually, before we get into we're digging, a quick announcement. This week on Joss and Main our furniture will be on sale. So you guys know we have this furniture line with Wayfair and Wayfair sort of discount flash sale site is Jocelyn Maine. And so they are going to put our furniture on there for sale. We don't know exactly what the sale is going to be. That is a secret to even us. <laughs> even the manufacturer, none of us know. We're just going to wait and see what happens. If you hear this and it's not actually on sale, 
they told us it would be, sorry. So we'll link it in the show notes so you can see whatever sale they're running. It is rare to get your stuff on Jossa Main, so we're very excited. And it is probably the place to find the lowest sale price. But as of recording this, they said it's going to be in Jossa Main. It's going to be a good price. That's all we know. Yes. So again, that link will be in the show notes, younghouselove.com slash podcast if you want to check it out. But on to what I'm digging. So another thing I'm trying to do this year, in addition to getting more sleep, is I'm trying to break out a little bit beyond our sort of murder mystery book bubble. You know, we love a good, like, dark murder book. I went into sexy fairies. (laughs) Sherry took it a different direction. I skewed fantasy. John skewed... Nonfiction. Nonfiction. At least for now. I would like to try a variety, but... I picked up a book at a used bookstore in Cape Charles near our beach house called Radium Girls, The Dark Story of America's Shining Women by Kate Moore. You didn't move away from all the book's titles having girls in them. <laughs> I did notice that as I said that. It still has girls in it. And it is a historical nonfiction book, which sounds boring to some, I know, but I was riveted by it. Some of you may know this story a little bit, but it takes place in like the 1910s, 20s, and 30s when radium, you know, that element that was discovered by Marie Curie, was used to paint clock faces so that it actually would like glow on the face of your watch. Or also they painted it a lot during World War One on... I can't believe I just said World War One on this podcast. <laughs> really taking this a different direction. But on like airplane <laughs> dials and stuff, it was a very useful tool to make these uh, things glow. But it's also a radioactive element. Right. It's very bad for you. And all these women and girls, literally girls that were, you know, 15, 16, 17, working in these factories, painting these dials, were dipping their paintbrushes with the radium in their mouths. and To do it to get like the bristles straighter. Yeah, they called it lip pointing. So that, yeah, it would come to a very fine point on the paintbrush so they could do those small watch faces. So this story talks about the growth of this industry, talks a lot about the women who had these very high profile sought after jobs painting, how they were celebrated, how they were paid well, and then the slow decline as they started to have these terrible repercussions of consuming radioactive material. And it is a really well told story. I kept reading and be like, they should make a movie out of this or like a musical. Yeah, it sounded to me like Aaron Brockovich because John would put it down and be like, you won't believe this. Like he basically told me the entire book as he read it because he was so riveted and he needed to talk about it. Well, it's a very sad story about not only the decline in health of these women, because it basically makes your bones disintegrate, uh, but they also were really taken advantage of by these companies. So uh, half of the book is all about them fighting back. So it also has a really kind of powerful story about them trying to get the justice they deserve for what these companies did to them. So I really recommend it. Again, it's called Radium Girls. If you want to bust out of the murder bubble like (laughs) I have, it is still something that will keep you turning pages. And the fact that it's actually true and it's a story that you haven't really heard, you didn't learn it in history class, was really um, fascinating to me. So I will put a link to it in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast if you want to give it a read. And meanwhile, I'm bringing it back to teeth because what I'm digging are those flosser picks that are like handheld. I'll have to put them in the show notes for you because they're hard to describe, but it's basically like a little plastic handle and a tiny piece of floss that's held between the handle. I'm embarrassed to say that I had never tried those. I was a purist for floss. I thought floss from a little box and using it with your fingers was the best. But when I started Invisalign, the orthodontist kept giving them to me to say you can get further back in your teeth. You can get in your molars. And I find that I just like it. It's satisfying to me. Like I'm a person who likes floss. I like 
the satisfaction of my mouth being really, really clean. So I will link these in the show notes because as a grown-up, I had never even tried them. When I got them free from the orthodontist, I would throw them away. And now I am buying them in bulk and using them every day. And I just feel like it makes my mouth feel cleaner. It's easier. And if you're anti-floss, like it feels like too much trouble to wrap it around your fingers and go back and forth and do all that, this is like the total training wheels method of floss. Like it is so much easier and it's very, very satisfying. And you know what I realized they actually look like? What? A coping saw. Kind of. If you guys know what a coping saw is, they do look like that. I don't know if that's a helpful analogy, but for this audience, I thought maybe yes. (laughs) Right. Just sawing your gums clean. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And a quick heads up that our next new episode will come out in two weeks. So don't worry when one doesn't show up in your feed next Monday. We will be back on March 4th. And keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like Casey from Illinois, who emailed to say that listening to our show kept her from crying for two hours. It was her oldest child's first day of pre-K. Oh my gosh, I remember those days. So she distracted herself from all the big emotions of that milestone by turning on our podcast and painting some kitchen cabinets. I like that she was kind of like, painting cabinets will help. (laughs) She's the best. We'll get through this together, guys. And don't forget to check out all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Yep, like a look at some of those paint colors we considered for the beach house living room and all those state color schemes that I quiz Sherry on. And a link to our furniture line sale at Joss and Main. Later. Bye. Yes, so again, that link will be in the show notes, younghouselove.com slash poundcat. Poundcast? Poundcake. <laughs> younghouselove.com slash poundcake. That's my new website. It only has poundcake recipes. It's like all those new like domain names like dot ninja yeah. dot limousine. I feel like dot pound cake is dot amazing. Pound. I would buy that URL. <laughs>